Hey ladies, welcome to Yes and Amen, where we talk about growing in our faith with biblical truths, real life testimonies, and meditating on God's word. Now I'm your host, Priscilla's Pearl Dominguez. Let's get it. Hey y'all, I want to start this episode by welcoming you and just prefacing that this is an episode where we are talking a lot about abuse and talking about hurt. And so if at any point you feel triggered or you feel uh, painful or a little bit of re-traumatization, I would invite you to just pause um, or maybe even, yeah, not continue to listen to it, maybe at another time or with a trusted friend. Uh, But definitely please be encouraged that this is a space where we will talk about healing and forgiveness and conviction, but some stories will be shared. And so If that is you, if that's something that might cause you to be triggered or re-traumatized in a way that is not good for you, uh, please, uh, I would invite you to just perhaps not engage in today's episode. Um, But you are welcome here in this space, in this very safe space where we're talking about this very real thing. Today's episode, um, I'm not, I'm going to say I'm not too excited about. Uh, It is on a topic that's really hard personally for me, but I just, a really grieving topic that uh, has so much to do with just the body of Christ and, and really the world in many ways. And that topic is the church hurt, right? Church hurt and church abuse. And so I'm going to start by just talking about what we are going to talk about in regards to this topic. So we're going to be talking about what church hurt is and abuse is, what it looks like, who does it. Um, this is not everything on the topic. And so having grace for me in this journey that this is not, I'm not touching on all things uh, because obviously this is just a podcast episode and abuse and hurt are very big topics. And this is also not a place where all the answers exist and all examples exist. I will give some examples. I will give some answers and next steps, but really this is hopefully a start of a conversation, a continued conversation to bring healing, repentance, accountability, and, and conviction to the body of Christ. So that's what this time will consist of. Um, I'll include some scripture. And so this is really for those who have been hurting, um, who have experienced abuse, while also it's for those who have done the hurting and have done the abuse and for those who have witnessed hurting and abuse um, through other people, whether personally or not. And so this really is for anybody within the spectrum of church hurt and abuse when it comes to this situation. I'll share a little bit about my story as well, um, but let's start with prayer because this topic is so heavy. Um, let's bring this to the Lord. Jesus, we, uh, we thank you. We thank you that you have called us to be a righteous and holy body of Christ. We thank you that you have called us to be um, people who are compassionate, who love others, who repent and who forgive. Uh, And we thank you also that you have gone before us and that those who are hurting right now are healing and are experiencing your truth and your peace right now. For those who are um, experiencing, who have done the abuse, I know, Lord, that you are bringing conviction to those hearts. And I pray that the conviction become louder and louder to bring a change into this world, Lord. And for those who experience witnessing these hurts, God, that you will build a boldness and a courage in those people um, so they can be able to speak up and be intercessors for their brothers and sisters. And so, Holy Spirit, we just give you this time. We ask that every single word glorify your name and will bring your people closer to healing, repentance, accountability, and conviction. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so the first W, right? This episode is called the four W's of church hurt. So I'm going to start with the first W, which is uh, what is church hurt and abuse and what does it do? 
right? Because this is this word they use a lot, right? So I'm really talking about what is church hurt and abuse. So the definition I came up with was something a church community or a person from the body of Christ did to harm or abuse physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, or relationally a person. And so the it's important to notice in the description of that definition that I put up or a person from the body of Christ. Because sometimes when we use the word church, we're kind of labeling a whole church to hurt one human being or one group of people. But it also can be an individual Christian out in the world that is not affiliated perhaps with a church or that someone went to their church that could hurt or abuse someone as well. So church hurt, because church is the body of Christ and is not a building, that then tells us that church hurt and church abuse can happen outside of a church community. And this usually includes forms of manipulation, control, gaslighting, rape, sexual assault, molestation, taking advantage of the time, treasure, or talents of people, toxic leadership, trying to control the person with their time, finances, wardrobe, or ways of living, misuse of scripture to get people to do something or be a certain way, etc., etc. So those are a few examples of what church hurt can look like um, and can be in regards to abuse. And so the second part of the question there, when I said, what is church hurt and abuse? And what does it do, right? What does it cause people to do? So it help, it causes people to leave the faith. It causes people to enter in depression or other mental health challenges that are not good for their well-being. It causes to develop a bad point of view of God and his people. Uh, it develops mistrust within people um, beyond just the church. It, it cr- can create mistrust with people in our everyday life. It um, creates a space to isolate people from others and become lonely, to make drastic decisions that they perhaps they normally wouldn't do, and feel the need to be quiet or can't share their story, which creates unhealthy patterns. And so that's just a few examples of what it does, right? What does then church hurt do? Because all everything that exists in the world, there is a result of it. There is a consequence of it. There's something happens through it, right? What um, is sown, something is reaped through it. And so those are some some examples. And like I said before, that's not the full spectrum of what it causes people to do. But I would say those are the most common examples of what what happens when people experience church hurt and trauma. And really thinking about like, is this you? Has this been you? And if this has been you, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about perhaps ways that you can Address it, help yourself, some scriptures to support you and encourage you on the journey. Um, but I know that these are not easy things, right? These are things that are, are painful. Um, and also, these are not things that God wants for you and for your life. And so the next why is, why does it happen, right? Like, why does it happen? So I would say the number one reason is all people sin and fall short. And that's not to, um, you know basically allow those who have done these things, give them excuse, but we need to remember that we are human beings and we all sin and fall short. Other reasons are people choose to not seek help for their own problems, so they project onto others or do something evil towards other people. Or people are not, aren't discipled well, so they don't know how to actually even deal with other people or work with other people or live with other people. Some people are not held accountable. Uh, you know, I have a firm belief that every church should have eldership. Every pastoral team and, and staff should have an eldership holding them accountable, right? 
This could happen if, if there's no accountability around there. People want to control other people and take the role of God in their life. They want to become the idol of God in their life. People get distracted from the purpose of church and community, especially nowadays. I think it's so, uh, people are so focused on numbers and becoming a church that's famous and known and all these stuff. And it's like, we're forgetting the one souls, the, the one, the each person in this body that is in need of love and support and not to be used. And then there's also people just don't know God or don't truly follow his way. And that's just an honest truth, right? People um, are perhaps pretending to know God or know him in a very superficial way. And that in itself can cause church hurt and abuse. And so now we go to the third W. Who does it? And my answer to that is anybody. I know most of the time it is pastors and leaders and things like that, but really it can be anybody. And I say that because of my own experiences, but also hearing experiences of other people. And so, like I said, it can be anybody, pastors, leaders, church members, people even in social media or Hollywood who claim to represent Jesus. It doesn't just have to happen in a church with a church um, community or church leadership. It really is that Christian, any Christian in the world can hurt another person and another Christian um, in their spiritual path anywhere. And so really when it is the third W is who does it? Anybody, anybody, anywhere. And that doesn't mean to just be like on the lookout, have your guard up with everyone. But uh, sometimes we can be so easy to expect it from our pastor that our, our brother and sister in church is abusing us or hurting us. And we're kind of disregarding it or perhaps not even noticing that it's that because they're not a pastor or a leader or a staff member. But abuse and hurt are abuse and hurt, no matter who it comes from. And then our final W is, what do you do about it? What do you do about it? And so I'm going to go by category in regards to people. So as someone who has gotten hurt, I feel for you. And I love you so much. Whether I ever meet you or not, I love you so much. And I want you to know that even more that I love you, God loves you. God loves you deeply. And what you what you experience is not your fault. And what you experience is not something that you deserved. And so please know that your hurt and your abuse is seen by God. God loves you and knows you in that. And so here are some things to do about what you've experienced. Grieve. Grieving can look a lot of different ways and it can be so challenging because we don't really want to think about what we experience. We sometimes don't want to really process through what we've experienced. But grieving your experience is so important. Just like you've grieved someone that you have lost in your life or a grieve a disappointment or a failure, you get to grieve this hurt and pain that someone or, or some people have caused you. It is somewhere where the Holy Spirit will meet you. And then heal. Seek out ways of different things of healing, whether that's counseling, community, spiritual direction, deliverance, whatever it may be but enter into a process of healing. The Lord will meet you right there. Another thing to do is move on and don't stay. It is okay to move on and not stay. Later in this episode, I'm going to share a liturgy by my friend um, KJ Ramsey, who wrote a liturgy on leaving. Because the reality is that sometimes we stay because we think, oh, these are my people, but my community, I love the people in the church. You can still be friends with those people. They can, can still be in your life, but you do not need to remain in an abusive and hurtful environment. 
seek the truth about Jesus for yourself. Sometimes when we're hurt or abused by people who claim to be Christian, we can have our faith be distorted or our view of God will be distorted. And God does not want that. He wants you to truly know him. And so I would say in your process of what to do about it after you've been hurt or abused is to seek Jesus for yourself. Learn about him for yourself. Maybe not even through sermons, but just going into the word through prayer and seek Jesus for yourself. And I know this is a hard one I'm about to say, but it is one that brings so much healing and freedom to your life. And it's forgive. Forgive those who have hurt you. Forgive those who have abused you and abandoned you and rejected you. Forgive that other sinful human being that caused this pain over you. Let your life be a life of freedom. When we don't forgive, we live in bondage. And so seek to go into a process of forgiveness. It may not happen immediately, but you can do it with God's help. And then there's being community. Right. One of the things I was saying before about like what it causes is isolation. And so being intentional about being community and that doesn't need to be 20 people. One or two people is good, too. But be in community, be consistent, shit, have people that you can quickly send a text message of a prayer request and you know that they'll pray for you. I know it's difficult, even more challenging in the pandemic, but you get to be in community, however that may look for you. And if you feel led to, if only you feel led to speak up. Say something, whether directly to the person who hurt you or someone that holds them accountable or is um, over them, supervising them, perhaps. Uh, But also, obviously, doing it in a wise way. Perhaps social media uh, with direct names and things like that isn't the best place. But speak up in a way that will be effective, that will be good for the kingdom of God, and that will serve his people. And that's only if you feel led to. And now for my people who have done the hurting. And when I say my people, I also say me. I have been in positions of leadership and and spaces where I know I have hurt other people. And we need to humble ourselves to really um, point the finger sometimes back at us. Because there have been times that many of us have hurt other people. And so one of the things is repent. I'll go into a scripture later on about repenting, but really is repenting, right? Repenting is changing our track. We miss the mark. And so changing our track and going in a different direction of the direction that we were headed. And so really repenting. And that requires humility. That requires acceptance. And that requires honesty. Also taking responsibility, taking responsibility with action, perhaps with an apology and a direct apology, not a generic apology and not an apology with excuses, but really a direct, sincere, compassionate apology. Get accountability. If you see that you're you're causing pain or you're causing abuse um, in your church and your church community in the body of Christ, get accountability, whether it's one person or a group of elders or a co or co-leader, whatever it may be, but get accountability. The thing is, none of these things can happen unless you actually accept that you are the one who has been hurting people or have hurt a person. Another thing perhaps to do also, depending on the extremity of the hurt and abuse is step down. Or take some time away from your position. Because as long as you continue to be in your position, or as long as you continue to be in the role that you're in, you may continue to hurt people. And so step down, take some time to seek out counseling. Take some time to seek out therapy and deliverance and accountability. 
Because if you're hurting people and you're abusing people, then you are in need of that. And also not belittling people or defining people's experiences, right? We can sometimes see someone else's experience or whether we were a cause of it or not, and we belittle it or we demean it or we we act like it's not that big of a deal. That person has every right to have the perspective of their experience. And you don't have a right to say what their experience was or is, how hurtful it was, how big, how big of a deal it was, how little of a deal it was. And so humbling yourself to believe them, to understand their point of view and their story, and really see how you had, had um, to do with it. And then for those who experience the, the hurting, the witness or hear about the hurting, right? Because... You have a role in this too. I think sometimes um, this is kind of like one of the biggest factors of the body of Christ. There's the abuser and then there's the abused. But then there's those who witness it. It's like when we think about when we were little. I know my mom would tell me um, if I see someone being bullied and I don't do anything about it. I'm basically just affirming that that bullying is okay. And so this is a similar concept. If you know about someone being hurt or the person who is hurting or abusing and you're not doing anything about it, how are you being like Jesus? And so in this situation, if you're someone who has witnessed hurting or has heard about it or knows about any abuse happening, you get to really do these few things. Love on the hurt. You get to show up and love for those who are hurting, who have been abused. And that's easier if you have a relationship with them. If you don't have a relationship, maybe that looks like simply being there for them, however that may look, whether it's praying from afar or letting them know that you're present and you're there for them, but loving on the hurt and abuse. And then speak up. You have a, a powerful voice to play in this because you are neither party nor the abuser nor the one who has been abused. And so you get to have a bold step to speak up. And again, that, that should happen wisely with discernment, compassion, um, and conviction. And I would say more than anything, speak up directly to those who are abusing and who are hurting. Maybe you have a role, uh, you have a position that you can do that. And the thing is, you don't have to be a leader in a church or anything like that to approach someone about this. You are in the body of Christ. There is no hierarchy when it comes to hurt and abuse. We simply get to speak up for our brothers and sisters. And going with that is be an intercessor for both sides. Both the abuser and the abused need prayer. Both the hurt and the ones doing the hurting need prayer. They need intercession in different ways, but they need it. And you get to be their intercessor. Hold those accountable for for those who are hurting. Uh, And also leave if you speak up and nothing changes. Think about really, would you be willing to stay in a place if they're still abusing even after you said something. Imagine it's your sister or your brother and they're in an abusive relationship, right? And they leave, but you still stay friends with the abuser or you still stay in the space with the abuser. Would you really do that? And so consider the same thing with a church. I think sometimes the reality of people that are, don't experience the hurt directly, they'll say, well, to, about the abuser or about the person hurting well they're nice to me or they haven't done anything to me or I haven't experienced anything directly to me but I feel bad that they're doing they did that for, to other people think about that statement think about that idea <laughs> is that is that Christ-like that point of view that perspective 
It isn't. Imagine Jesus would have said that about you on the cross. And so really take the time to acknowledge your role in all of this. And if you do choose to stay, I would encourage you to just not be quiet. God has given you the boldness and courage to say things and speak up. And so now I'm going to share some stories, some stories of people who are willing to share with me um, some things that they've experienced. And uh, like I shared earlier in the episode, some of this may be triggering. Some of this may be really challenging to hear and digest. So if you're still processing and healing from certain traumas, maybe this is a moment to like skip this part. Um, But I'm just going to be sharing some stories and then I'm going to share mine as well. And I'm sharing these stories with permission. And some of these things are word for word. Some of these are paraphrased. So the first story is a pastor favoring men over women leaders and discipling women who, not discipling, sorry, disciplining women who wouldn't dress according to the rules of the church and that were made that weren't biblical based truths. And they were disciplined in a way of like not being able to serve, sitting in the back and being shut up, being silenced. So this happened in a church, right? Favoritism over men, over women specifically for what women were dressing based on the church's uh, rules. So this has a lot to do with, let's say, purity culture, right? Modesty. Another story is failed character assassination on by staff church employees and nothing done. So a church church staff and employer um, basically talked, gossiped about a group of other people, several other people, and it was known and nothing was done about it. That church staff member was not held accountable for it. And they continued to have their role, but and even that got promoted. Another story is went to someone went to their pastor, their first pastor, so I'm assuming as a child for counseling, and God molested by him instead. Someone went to counseling meaning they needed help with something. Instead, they got molested by this pastor. Another story is they, someone was being used to serve every Sunday for several services a day and never being checked on, discipled, supported, or loved. And, and I want to highlight this form of hurt and abuse because sometimes people don't think this is hurt and abuse because they're like, oh, I'm giving my time to the church and, you know, I, I'm committed to this, 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 and that. God is not here to use you. He doesn't want to overwork you. You should not be serving at a church all day long, especially if the people of the church are not loving on you and checking on you throughout the week and discipling you and supporting you and just basically using you, whether for your talents or your time. Another one was focusing more on the platform than the pastoral role by not being there in the hardest moments of the congregation like death, COVID, marriage, crisis, hospital visits. This is so hard. This is is hard to read, y'all. So many of these are just hard to read because this is what a lot of can exist. The the platform is more important than the pastoral role. And, and I would encourage you, I can't think of it in the top of my head right now, but the scripture about the good shepherd and what the good shepherd is meant to do. That is what a pastoral role really is. 
Another story is being disciplined by the church leadership and had to sit in the back. Another one, sit in the back when connecting with friends who had left the church. Same church leadership called the person stupid, disloyal, dumb, little girl, untrustworthy on a phone call, all because the person attended a youth conference and took a photo with an ex-member of their church and their staff were stalking the personal social media, the person's social media and phone to inform the pastors of what the person was doing. Wow. Like, I mean, could anyone deny that that's um, church abuse and just, that's just ridiculous. And that makes, that's when churches become cultish, right? Uh, Uniformity instead of unity, that you can only be a part of this group and you can only talk to people in this space in this group. I've experienced actually something like that. Another story is a guy in the church being inappropriate with several women in the church and not being held accountable for it and the girls not being believed. No one was held accountable or repented. <sighs> Lord. And and this is it. Because the thing is, what breaks my heart as I shared earlier, things that we can do and like, and, and the reality is that even sometimes when we do speak up, something still doesn't happen. Sometimes things still don't change and nothing happens. And that's a really heartbreaking factor about the speaking up component because then it makes some people not want to speak up because it's like, well, am I going to be believed? Is something going to change anyways? And that's such valid questions. Someone else shared, a pastor scammed a whole church financially and led to some falling into deep depression that has led to other mental health challenges that have lasted over a decade. And finances, like that is something that's so prevalent and so known that we just see a lot, unfortunately. Another example is actually what I wanted to talk about was that wasn't Little Nas X who sent me this, but just in learning about Little Nas X's story, if you've seen recently um, his video and this the you know Satan sneaker, he came out with all this stuff. But he wrote a message about basically how the church treated him when he was young, which has really led him to where he is now. If you've seen the video, um, I definitely encourage you not to watch the video. It can be a lot, um, but if you've seen the video, if you know a little bit about what he's promoting, you can see all, all of it is such an example of church hurt. So much of it is such an example of church hurt. And it's so, so unfortunate because in seeing it come out, so many people immediately went to condemn him and cancel him instead of seeing like, where, where is this coming from? Where is this projection of basically hate towards God and his people coming from? It's coming from the very same people who are condemning and trying to cancel him right now, the body of Christ, right? And for him, it's specifically growing up, um, you know, experiencing different uh, struggles when it comes to sexuality or not really um, understanding it or being on that path and being condemned or rejected for it within his church community. Um, And this is where he is now. And so really, this is a result we need to see as an example, as a result of what church hurt actually can do, because now he's influencing an entire world, millions of people um, on this, this, this message that he's sharing um, that is not, you know, based on glorifying God. And there's a responsibility there that the body of Christ needs to take, right? Because like many of these stories that I've, that I've shared, 
I'm not even sharing the results of many of these stories. Like what happened to so many of these people? Some of these people shared that they have been healed. Some of these people shared that they haven't, that they're still struggling, that they're still um, haven't forgiven, that some people are struggling with being able to think that they can be married or um, worthy of certain opportunities. Like it really does alter and change people's um, experience, right? And so there's such a responsibility that the body of Christ needs to take here. And so I'm going to share my story as well. And so I actually have um, three experiences of church hurt, uh, not individual experiences, but what I mean is three different church experiences. Um, so different church communities. So I grew up in the church. If you've heard the first episode of this podcast, if you haven't, I encourage you to go back just a little, learn a little bit more about my story. But uh, I grew up in church. And when I was a teenager, I went to a different church that a friend of mine invited me. The day I walked into that church, in the front where the woman, a woman was welcoming people, um, she welcomed me. She noticed that I was new. And she said, you know, ask me my name. And she's like, have you given your life to Jesus? And I said, oh, I don't, I don't think so. I'm not sure. She's like, okay, well, you need to give your life to Jesus uh, and get baptized or you're going to go to hell. And <laughs> I'm just like, y'all, I haven't even walked into the church fully. This is my first Sunday and you're the welcoming committee, you know, and, and she didn't realize the seed she planted in me. So weeks and months after that, I kept going to the church, disregarding her comment, really, um, really, I would say suppressing it, not disregarding it because it, it stuck with me. And eventually I just, I left that church and I completely left the faith. I completely thought Jesus was not God and real. The Bible wasn't true. Salvation was BS, just like did not believe at all. And it was a seed that was planted by someone who chose to use doctrine, to use um, a biblical biblical things that are not biblical um, to try to trigger me or push me to do something. And that in itself is, is hurt because even a seed, even one comment can be hurt, right? So this invites us to really be aware of how we talk to people about Jesus, how we invite them um, into the conversation about Jesus. This is why it's so important for us to be very careful how we're showing up on Instagram and how we're showing up in the world. Because unfortunately, the meanest comments I see, the most demeaning and demonic comments I see on Instagram are by Christians. And so really being aware of our words, the power of our words that are being read by people we may never meet in our entire life. Then another experience I had, um, thankfully I, years later, so I think maybe like five years later, I re gave my, I gave my life to Jesus and I recommitted to my relationship with him. Um, have not looked back since thankfully. And, uh, I was part of a church community then and we left not, not because we were hurt, but just because it was just a really big church and we wanted to be a part of a smaller space. And so we moved on to another church. Uh, we actually helped this church get planted and the amount of hurt and abuse I experienced in that church, not just experience, but witness is, is just so astounding and painful. And the thing is my husband and I, we didn't leave for so long because, um, I think I just, I didn't know that I could, I didn't know that this wasn't like normal. I think I thought that I just had to forgive and move on and keep letting things go, but no, <laughs> that's, that's not okay. And so what I experienced there was, 
abuse of my time, trying to make time for other things in my life. Um, and I just, I wouldn't, I would get like shamed if I, when I was like leaving work and everybody else was like staying at work, I'm like, but we work till five, like, and I have a life and I have a husband and I have family and I would be shamed when I would leave work. I would be shamed when I would ask for days off. Um, when we have an assigned amount of days off, which is crazy. Um, and then I would also, I asked for a bereavement day. Uh, an aunt of mine passed away a few years ago and I asked for a bereavement day and it was not granted because apparently she, cause she was my great aunt and she was an immediate family. And I was like, what, how could that be? And not only was I not approved a bereavement day, I also wasn't um, my pastor, who was also my boss, I worked at that church, did not like connect with me and ask me like how I'm doing from, from that loss. And that was just really painful. Um, and then also when, so when we chose to leave and, and so many things happened in between that I just really don't have the time to share. But when we chose to leave, we were told that we were offended. That that's why we were leaving, that we were, we were offended and we needed to really just like reevaluate why we, why we think we're leaving. Uh, and I'm like, no, it's it's actually not offended. It's a lot more things. For example, like you guys in that, in that in that conversation example, I was like, you're living in luxury, right? You're living in these really fancy, expensive apartments, and your staff are having to like live with roommates and struggle to like pay rent, um, and and find really cheap and affordable places to live. While in the meanwhile, you're living in luxury, your best life. It, this ratio of salary should not be so far stretched. Um, sh- I was, sh- was shut down every time I questioned something in leadership. Um, I was being overworked. People people were being overworked that served the church, including my husband, people uh, without actually actually loving them. I even got to a point where I wasn't even reading my Bible. I, I didn't even feel like I was Christian anymore and no one would have known. Um, and so that was just like a really abusive, painful, hurtful place to be in. Um, and then there, like I said, there was a a lot more things. There was financial things being lied about so many people leaving and lying about why the people are leaving, just a lot of things going on there. Um, and so we left, we, we made the decision to leave, um, and find a new community. And so then we went to another community and in that community, it actually, um, you know, we felt really at home. We felt like it was a good place. It aligned to the things that we were looking for, the things that we value. Uh, and I still believe that that was, that was honestly what that church was about then. But the truth is too, that church and people can evolve and evolving doesn't always mean a good thing, right? Evolving can sometimes mean that um, you, people change and right. And structures change and not for the better and not for the good of that church. And so really more than anything, our last church heard experience and we left was because we witnessed injustice in a church that talked a lot about being justice centered. And, and the mistake that we make when we're saying we want to look for a church that is justice centered is that we need to ask what that church thinks about justice, because justice is not just about race. It really is not. And unfortunately, that is all we talk about when it comes to justice nowadays. But justice is also about believing people who have been um, abused and sexually assaulted. Justice is about looking at the poor and um, the domestic violence survivor and the human trafficking survivor and looking at educational systems. Justice is such so much bigger 
um, right? Ableism issues, sexism issues, all this stuff. It's so much bigger than race. Uh, and so that really showed us that this church maybe uh, talking, you know, talk about justice, but it's only specific to race. And also it's only specific to one race. Um, and so that was something that we, sh we saw a witness also leadership, unwilling to apologize or say that they're wrong or change in certain ways, even humble themselves to seek out help, to seek out counseling, um, making poor leadership decisions or letting people be put in power that hurt others and don't, and not hold them accountable. So just different experiences that I've experienced when it comes to really just, um, people taking advantage of me and my husband and, uh, and, and other people that I love. And then I also have done the hurting, y'all. I have done the hurting. I ha Like I said, I have worked for two churches. I have been a leader. I have been in positions of power. And I have done and hurting by um, overworking people myself. I have um, done the hurting by saying things and doing things that um, perhaps weren't of best service to the, to people, to the body of Christ. Um, and, and I have done the hurting. And the thing is, I have apologized to some people. And I haven't apologized to some people because I also can't know all the people that I've hurt but I've tried to pray through it and humble myself for the Lord to convict me and show me who I need who I need to apologize to and what ways I need to repent and that gets to be all of us and a lot of us because the thing is just because we've been hurt and abused doesn't mean we have not done the hurting and the abuse either right sometimes we'll just put ourselves in one category but we really need to humble ourselves to acknowledge have I also done hurting whether it's a little bit or a lot, whether it's a seed like that woman that I shared earlier, or it's an action, you know, it was like a whole action thing. Um, but really seeing where we fall into all of that. And then we get to repent and we get to apologize. And so now I'm going to close us with reading some scriptures, right? The word of God is our answer. The word of God is our truth, is where we seek um, to go to for healing, for conviction, for change. And so I'm going to read scriptures for the three different groups that I addressed earlier, for those who have been hurt, for those who have done the hurting, and for those who have witnessed the hurting. And so I'm going to start with for those who have done the hurting, for the abusers. First, I'm going to start with John 15, 12. It reads, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. This scripture really invites us to realize if you're hurting someone, that means you're not loving them. So what does this look like in your life? How do you get to live differently? How do you get to receive this command from Jesus and love one another as he has loved you? James 4.17 says, So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. It is a sin to simply know the good and not do it. To know what is good for the body of Christ. To know what is good for the functioning of a church and the healthiness of a church and to not do it. That in itself is something that you get to repent of. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to note there that in the beginning it says, If we confess our sins, meaning if you don't confess your sins, this is not the result. God will actually not forgive you. He will actually not be faithful to forgiving your sins and cleanse you from your unrighteousness. And so it's also a part that where you get to confess your sins, whether that's directly to the Lord, to the people 
that you've hurt by apologizing directly to those who are going to hold you accountable, however that may look. Matthew 4.17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is so important because um, this scripture is found in all four Gospels, and it is the very first few words of Jesus in his ministry. And it tells us and shows us how important Jesus considers repentance, that it's the very first thing he said to do, to repent for the kingdom of God of heaven is at hand. And so realizing here, what do you need to repent of? What do you need to turn away from? Where did you miss the mark? And the last scripture I would invite you to meditate on if you have been, abu- uh, been the abuser or the one to hurt people is 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Humble yourself. Pray and seek the face of Jesus. Turn away from your wicked ways through repentance. And then God will hear from heaven and who forgive your sins and heal you and your land. Maybe you consider your land, your church or your family or your, wherever you may be. But that is something that God is promising if you seek his face, if you repent and if you humble yourself. I believe you can do it. And if you meditate on these scriptures, that the Holy Spirit will really convict you to move in that direction. Now for those who are hurt, for those who have experienced the hurting. The first scripture I would love to encourage you to meditate on is Psalm 34:18. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and he saves those crushed in spirit. Actually, last week's episode of Selah Meditation was on this very scripture, but it was actually Psalm 34, 17 to 22. And so I would encourage you to go back and listen to that and really be in the presence of the Lord to know that he is near you. He is near your broken heart. He is near your crushed spirit. He is near your pain, even closer than you think and realize. Another scripture is Psalm 16, 17 to 11. I will bless the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, when my thoughts trouble me, I will always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely, for you will not abandon me to show. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. I would invite you to reread that as you can, to really digest and dig in to the blessing that the Lord wants and has for you through that scripture. Then we have Isaiah 53, 5. It says, But he who was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities, punishment for our peace was on him. And we are healed by his wounds. And this has a lot to do with recognizing that we ourselves are undeserving of the grace of God and the goodness of God. Right? We are also not deserving of hurt and abuse. But of all the things that we have done, of all the sins where we have committed all the ways that we have fallen short by his stripes we are healed we are healed by the wounds that jesus himself has in god isaiah 41 10 says do not fear for i am with you do not be afraid for i am your god i will strengthen you i will help you 
I will hold on to you with my righteous hand. Really receiving that truth that God will help you and he will strengthen you if you are feeling weak in this season. And then finally, Mark eleven twenty five, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you for your wrongdoing. Like I said before, I know forgiveness is not the easiest choice on this path, but it is a choice that does bring freedom. And so really receiving that truth and meditating through these scriptures. And then here are some scriptures for those in community who have witnessed the hurting. I would invite you to meditate on these scriptures. The first is 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Continue to do the work. Encourage people. Meet them where they are in their walk. Listen to them and be with them on their journey. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. This is an opportunity invitation to address those who have done the wrongdoing, to really be the person um, to hold accountable and really enter into a conversation that is so important with them. Luke 17.3 says, Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. We can sometimes be afraid of this word rebuke uh, or we just focus on using it against the enemy. But the word of God itself in the scriptures in, in the book of Timothy says that the scriptures and the word of God has been used also and it will be used to rebuke. And so you get to rebuke your brothers and sisters in love, in grace, when they fall short and when they sin. And if he repents, forgive them. And the final scripture that I would invite you to meditate on is 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patience, in your patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will also share in the comfort. And so acknowledging that we have all experienced suffering <laughs> and we've all experienced the comfort of God and that very comfort God has placed in you so you can bring comfort to others. And, and realizing that your comfort to other people who have been hurt does not mean that you need to be their savior, does not mean that you need to resolve their problem or their situation, but that you simply get to be present with them, serve them how they need it, love them how they need it, intercede for them how they need it, and provide them the comfort that the Holy Spirit has already given you. And so I would really invite you to go through those scriptures. They're going to be in the show notes below whether you have been an abuser or someone who has hurt, or you have been someone who has hurt or has abused, or you've been both, or you haven't been neither, and you have been someone to really um, witness, right? And the thing is, none of this can work. None of this can work. None of this healing, conviction, process, a repentance, apologizing, none of it works without a humble reflection and looking in the mirror of ourselves, of really seeing where we we have 
perhaps added or perpetuated or added, uh, been a part of church hurt and abuse. It really requires that deep, honest work. And so as we close, I'm going to close with a liturgy written by K.J. Ramsey, who is the writer of a book called This Too Shall Last. And uh, if you don't know what a liturgy is, a liturgy comes from a Greek term meaning public work or work done on behalf of the people. And so liturgy always referred to an organized community, a work then done by an individual or a group was a liturgy on behalf of the larger community. So all the worshipers are expected to participate actively in each liturgy for this is holy work, not entertainment or a spectator event. So every liturgy really is a a work of art, a work of words that really bring comfort, uh, conviction, and action to the body of Christ. And so often it includes a speaker and um, a leader, Um, And then the congregation. So I'm going to read it just as it flows. And you'll hear sometimes me say leader. And then basically that's just the idea of a leader reading the liturgy. And so this is the liturgy. Lord, in our distress, we call to you. We cry to you for help. Evil has nearly blinded our eyes and cut off the oxygen of our hope. The cords of consumerism have entangled us. The ropes of being useful and used by people have coiled tight around our necks. Leader, from heaven, God hears your voice. Your cries have come before him, into his ears, into his heart. The earth trembles and shakes with his fury over the harm hurled at you. People, even now, whether we see it and sense it or not, you are reaching down to rescue us, God. You are drying us out of deep waters. You are freeing us from the hidden enemies of light. They confronted us in the day of our courage, called us names, and told us lies. But God, you were our support. Leader, the Lord has brought you out to a spacious place. He has rescued you because he delights in you. People, the Lord has brought us out to a spacious place. He has rescued us because he delights in us. Lord, our desire for integrity has outweighed our wish to avoid being wounded. We have counted the cost and decided our wholeness and the wonder of your grace are gifts for which we are willing to lose everything else. God, remind us of the blessing that only the broken can hear. Show us that the storms raging within us are but small shadows of the storms of your fury to fight for our justice and vindication. Show us that in leaving people and places who claim your power, we have not left your blessing behind. It follows us like the rain of tears down our cheeks. Lift our eyes to the cross where Jesus' broken body still peeks through groans that it is among the broken that your blessing resides. Leader, to the faithful you show yourself faithful. People, to the blameless you show yourself blameless. Rest our fears of retaliation and silence all haunting gaslighting in your blamelessness, Lord Christ. Leader, to the pure you show yourself pure, but to the devious you show yourself shrewd. Reveal the hidden snares of how others used you, Jesus as a crutch and canopy for evil to crush these your dear children. People, you have the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. Keep us low, Lord Jesus. Leader, turn our eyes to the ground, O Christ, where you kneel to wash 
your disciples' feet on the eve of your death. In our lowliness and loneliness, we want to let you love us down to the dirt under our toenails and darkest fears in our souls. People, Lord, only you can keep our lamps burning, turn our darkness into light. Leader, with your help, remind us that the smallest and most silence can advance against the strongest and loudest. People, with you, God, we can scale a wall. Leader, the Father is still with you. People, Christ is still among us. Leader, the Spirit is yours. The Lord has brought you out to a spacious place. He has rescued you because he delights in you. People, the Lord has brought us out to a spacious place. He rescued us because he delights in us. Amen and amen. Friends, I pray that this episode was something that could bring you healing, hope, understanding, conviction, and lead you to a place of repentance or forgiveness. God loves you if you are one who has abused and done the hurting. God loves you if you are one who has witnessed the hurting. God loves you if you are the one who has experienced the hurting and abuse. God loves you. And he wants you to live a life of freedom, of righteousness, of courage. And he is with you on this journey. I invite you to take in the humility and conviction and truth of God and walk in his way. Walk in his wonder. Walk in his truth. Walk in his light. The enemy very well would love to use your hurt or your abuse or to use you as one who hurts and abuses for his agenda. But God, God has better plans for you, deeper plans for you, purposeful and divine plans for you. You get to be healed and walk in them. You get to repent and walk in them. May the blessing of the Lord be your portion. And may the Holy Spirit bring you comfort wherever you are. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Uh, there will be some notes in the section of details below here that perhaps a place where you can get encouraged with scripture and also some resources for those who have been abused and who have been hurt. Thank you for being with me today in this really hard conversation. Hey ladies, I hope that conversation blessed you and you're able to apply a few things that you learned into your everyday life. God is with you and we're so excited that you get to continue to grow in your faith. Make sure you check out other episodes if you haven't already and be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave us a rate and review and make sure to follow us on Instagram at yes and amen podcast. See you next time.